Bitcoin fixes the money, the Beef Initiative fixes the food and nutrition. Step into some new awareness that incorporates some much needed food intelligence into your life. This is Texas Slim with Texas Slim's vision. Hey guys, we're here again. Uh, we're lucky enough to be in the TFTC studios in Austin, Texas, twice in one day. Very fortunate for that because we have a very great guest that's become a very good friend. Uh, here we go. We've got uh, Jason Rick today of Rick Ranches uh, from Crawford, Colorado. We're going to uh, be talking a little bit about the Beef Initiative Conference that we're about to achieve and accomplish and push forward with April 23rd in Kerrville, Texas. Jason is going to make his way all the way down from Crawford, Colorado, and he's going to be one of our guest speakers. Uh, he's going to be on a panel with me and Marty Bent, and he's going to be. We're going to be moderated by Charles Mayfield of Farrell.live uh, Skin Products. So, uh, how are we doing today, Jason? Fantastic. You know, I rushed in from uh, trying to get a center pivot going up there on a lease property that's at about seventy six hundred feet. And uh, cell phone reception's not so good. Trying to uh, coordinate with uh, tech support, but we got it going. So we had a big victory. So got back in here just in the nick of time. Yeah, it's funny. We were kind of texting back and forth, and it was funny. I, I went and got something to eat today. I went and got a burger from a place that I, I love to get burgers out here in Austin, Texas. And I was driving through downtown Austin, and, you know, it's changed so much from back in the day. And I, I kind of laughed at myself because um, there was a place called, I believe it was Hickory Street, downtown Austin, that everybody used to go to whenever I was in tech down in Austin when I was very young. And they sold all kinds of seed oils and salads for lunch. And I was like, man, this has come full circle. Here I am driving, trying to meet Jason. He's probably out running a pivot or running some <laughs> cattle to a new pasture. And it was funny because you were doing something and I was doing something. But I'm in the middle of a downtown busy city. You're out in the middle of Crawford, Colorado. Um, let's just start right there. I mean, let's let's talk about your day today. How did it start? So it starts about 5.30 in the morning, and of course I have a fat bomb coffee first thing in the morning. You know, you have some grass-fed butter blended into your coffee for breakfast, and then I typically get on and try and, and coordinate whatever it is that I need to do throughout the day. Um, today it was getting irrigation water running on three different properties, and then the water commissioner called to tell me that I have free flow on water because the creek is so high I need to take as much as I can get. So I was putting two and a half CFS water in a ditch that was designed to take one and a half. And uh, me, my shovel, my four-wheeler, and my three-legged cow dog worked our guts out this morning to shore up some weak spots in the ditch to make sure we could get some water down to one of those properties. And then, of course, my phone is ringing off the hook the whole time. The engineer from the NRCS that's helping me design a stock water infrastructure called me. A good friend of mine who had just uh, texted me a picture of this ad or a story in a newspaper or one of the grass-fed, grass-finished, all-natural producer, producers had gotten caught 
with antibiotics in one of his beef cattle. So that's big time news that of course everyone's freaking out about. Um, and then two of the landowners, both absentee landowners are calling me, um, just wanting to get an update while I'm trying to shovel this dish that's just roaring a river of chocolates, you know, chocolate milk water. So that's how my day started. Well, you know, you always absolutely fascinate me every time we have a conversation. It's like we get to vicariously live through Jason Rick of Rick Ranches because, <laughs> you know, that's how your days start every day for the most part. You know, as far as a, a percentage of the uh, majority of, of things that are something that you have to always basically plan as you take each step. And, you know, I think that's the beautiful thing about what you do. I think it's the, the way you orchestrate, you know, what you're doing as far as your location you know a lot of people don't understand they say oh he's in Colorado he has plenty of water let's start with the water and let's 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 uh, give a picture a paint a picture of where you are you know outside of Crawford Colorado what it looks like and let's always remember that you have no food without water sources especially in regenerative farming and ranching yeah so where we live where our home ranch is is a is a Pinion and juniper and sagebrush inhabited plateau. And if it weren't for the, um, the settlers back in the 1880s and 1890s, digging reservoirs and hand digging um, canals and putting in infrastructure, none of the agriculture would exist where we are. And back then that was a true proof of work. I mean, you would put in um, all of that stuff by hand or with horses and Fresnos. There's places where there's, um, there's a little under a mile of hand dug tunnel where they would have drilled the holes, uh, you know, with a, with a, either an air hammer or a jack leg or a hand steel and double jack and shot it out with black powder that our irrigation water flows through when you're trying to get water out here onto Fruitland Mesa. Right now we're in the, the middle of a big Bureau of Reclamation soil salinity project. The total project is about $11 million. And that's for the entire irrigation company. And I'm on the board of directors for that company. And we have about, I think there's about three weeks of work that need to be finished before we can put water in the ditch. We put a bunch of it in pipe and then we're putting um, rubber liner and then spraying shotcrete over the top of it to protect the liner. And so we have construction crews up there right now working on that. Um, but the thing for me is I realized early on that our water resources were very finite and that I needed to expand out into other basins and other drainages that had stronger, more reliable water. So I looked across the valley. So literally as the crow flies due north from our home ranch is one of the properties. And there's actually four or five properties now that I lease that are over in the LaRue Creek drainage and the LaRue Creek water users. And um, we irrigate out of the Highline Ditch, McNeil Creek Ditch, Smith Ditch. Um, there's three, four other ditches, I don't remember the name offhand, that we irrigate out of. And those were 1865. So some of those, they started digging when that was still Ute Indian territory. 
territory. Mm-hmm. But the settlers had come in and started working in there um, pretty much as soon as they came into this country, putting in all that infrastructure. And it, it was, it's very interesting. I had um, some Future Farmer of America FFA girls working for me yesterday and they were hand digging some ditch. And I noticed that on the property above there, there was a, a real estate agent's vehicle. And so I just jumped on the four wheeler and drove up there and introduced myself to these potential new landowners. And we just got to talking about lo and behold, the beef initiative. And we got to talking about regenerative farming. And um, I started talking to them about what I do and why I do it. And that I was, I was going to Kerrville to speak at this conference. And this potential new landowner of this 2,400 uh, acre deeded acres and 960 acres uh, BLM pasture lease wanted my contact information. And we've been corresponding back and forth since then, asking about what we do and why we do it, um, looking for recommendations on if they did buy it, what they should do with that property. But that's the thing that I found is when you when you put yourself out there and you put that and you and you doing the labor like you're doing God's work, He always puts those things into play for you, and He rewards you for the hard work that you do if you approach it with a whole heart and with an open hand. And that's why we do the things that we do and the way that we do it, and we always approach it that we're only here for a short amount of time. And so everything that we're doing is just trying to be stewards of the land and do God's work so we can pass it off to the next generation better than we found it. And it's, it's just one of those things that just continues to blow my mind, the abundance when you put yourself in the abundance mindset. And uh, it's just, it's blessings every day. I mean, granted there's hardships, there's lots of stress, but so oftentimes it pays just huge rewards. Man, that's a, that's a great story. And like I said before, every time we have a conversation, here we go. Jason's going to tell me something that's fascinating and just how that correlated into, you know, the first time that we started talking, it probably took us two to three weeks to make that contact, right? We were pinging back and forth with each other. We were trying. It was busy times. But what we did was we were persistent. And by the time that we actually did make that contact with each other, guess what? We kind of had some trust built up. And what you just did with those potential landowners orders you sealed the deal i guarantee you in some form or fashion for them to understand what they're probably getting into uh you probably gave them a great rundown of the history of the valley of course and of uh how you got to where you are and for you know a lot of people listening right now now they're seeing us we get to be on a youtube channel now which is fantastic it's gonna be kind of fun but let's let's give a quick history you're a first generational um let's say animal producer grass farmer you're a rancher let's get everybody that as you know hasn't caught up to you because after this weekend everybody's going to know who the hell jason rick is out of colorado (laughs) so let's give everybody a quick rundown of how you got to where you are real quick and then we'll go back into this story i want to touch on that okay so i was born and raised in hotchkiss it's a little town about 15 minutes from crawford um there's a we call it the north fork valley hotchkiss crawford peonia to make this kind of triangle and it is literally eden in Colorado. I mean, you have anything and everything as far as agricultural that you can get here. Orchards, um, vineyards, um, veggies, meat, sheep, 
goats, pigs, whatever. Um, so I was raised in town. And so I had always wanted to be a cattle rancher. My grandfather on my mom's side had a little family farm. That's where I got my exposure into agriculture. That's where I learned how we should do things because he grew up on a farm and his, his father, my great grandfather grew up on a farm and they did things old school, you know, farm with horses, and they, they always use observational science. You look at the animals, you look at the land, you look at the plants, that's how you decide what to do. And that's how he taught me that you don't need the fanciest stuff. You don't need soil analysis. You don't need all of this science. Get away from the science and get out in the fields. And that's the, the thing that I, I still live by today. It's observational science. You got to get out, you got to get boots on the ground, you got to look at what's happening. So I always wanted to be a cattle rancher. So my livestock growing up, I raised rabbits in our backyard. I had wool rabbits, fur rabbits, meat rabbits, show rabbits, all of that stuff. That was, and I mean, I butchered rabbits in the backyard and sold, you know, rabbits all over town to everybody that wanted to eat rabbits. Um, then I met my wife. And we were high school sweethearts and her family lives on a cattle ranch. And that's our home place. That's where we live is on my mother-in-law's cattle ranch. Gotcha. And I fell in love with the land. I already love the work. Um, and of course, and my wife is amazing and so supportive in everything that I do. And um, so I went away to the Marine Corps and when I got out of the Marine Corps, we moved back home and I went to work in the coal mines, worked there for 15 years. Um, in the meantime, my father-in-law had sold all the cows. They'd been leasing out our home place. And I could see as it was slipping, like so many of these properties that are just continuously grazed and overhayed. Um, and I asked them if I could lease it from them. And they very reluctantly agreed to lease the property to me. And so I, I built soil and replanted and, and, and tried to fix some stuff, fix the, in the irrigation infrastructure and got it all up to snuff. And then I started selling hay and every, once in a while you'd have hay get rained on and you just couldn't get rid of it. And I thought to myself, this is ridiculous. We should get some cows so I can feed this lesser quality hay to the cows and that pretty well sent me down the rabbit hole of cattle ranching and regenerative farming through the rumens of cattle, hoof, hoof um, impact on soil. And then we had a pretty rough drought. And I realized that this land couldn't sustain, sustain 365 day animal pressure. And so I started looking out at other properties. And so I leased more and more properties here in Crawford. And the problem with that is they're all in the same irrigation system. So if we have a short irrigation year, everybody is dry. And that, that doesn't do anybody any good. So that's when I started looking at other basins. And um, so I leased another property in Crawford, above Crawford. And we're, that's like the showcase property. We're doing intensive rotational grazing. I'm planting legumes in front of the cows to plant legumes and let the cows stomp them in with their feet. And of course, urinate and manure over the top of the seed to help really help with germination. We're getting crazy stocking rates and, and just improving the resiliency in grass there. And then we also have all these properties in Crawford. Some of them are irrigated hay ground. Some of them are irrigated pasture. Some of it is high mountain, seven, eight, nine 
10,000 foot elevation mountain ground. And, um, and then of course that other property that I was talking about, which is the seven X it's got one of the original, um, cut stone castles or manor houses that was built back at the turn of the century on that property. It's just a beautiful property and it has quite a bit of irrigation water and irrigation water infrastructure on it. So it'd be really exciting to have. I'd actually been trying to convince the, the guy that has it sublet right now to let me help him and, and work together on it. And he's just too interested in the cash and not interested necessarily in healing the soil. And so I just wasn't really willing to pay that much money and then put that much labor into it unless it was just going to be better for me financially. But that's kind of where we are. I mean, we started with 260 acres and right now we're just a few acres under 4,000 that we take care of right now. And I had another landowner reach out to me in Hotchkiss um, and offer up her 40 acres. So I guess that takes us over 4,000 now, but her husband has got dementia really bad. And so I take him out with me and we irrigate together because that's the only thing that's keeping him going. And so, um, so that's good for him. And it's, it's a lot of extra work for me, but on the same token, so much of what I do is just building community and um, that's a high priority for me. Well, it, you brought up, we were talking earlier today about, you know, you're not going to receive anymore in this life unless you're giving and, you know, everything that you do is you're giving back to something and you're not asking anything in return except to be able to give a little bit more. I mean, I see you, Jason, as somebody that's, you know, you're, you're a steward of the land, you're a steward of the, the animals, you're a steward of your community, you're a steward of the regenerative movement in your region, in your county, in, in close to that triangle that you talk of, of Hotchkiss, Paonia, and Crawford. You're a steward of the state of Colorado. You're becoming a steward of regenerative, basically, farming and ranching in the United States. To be a steward of anything, it means that you're giving a lot of your time, a lot of your uh, mental capacity, your emotional capacity, and and you know every time that you're able to do that, you're taking a step forward into making a legacy, which you, as you said, you started with 260 acres. You've been in the Marine Corps. You were uh, you worked in coal mines and everything. It took you seven years, I'm pretty sure, to get to where you are. You're a testament of a low time preference, somebody that works in a decentralized way, somebody that has a, a, a spirit of giving, and the only time you receive is when you give. Um, meeting those people today, what did they, um, what do you think they took away from the conversation? And what did they, what do you think they were thinking whenever you came riding up on a four wheeler? Well, I bet the first thing they thought when I came riding up on the four wheeler is, oh no this is probably someone that's pissed off about something because that's just the mindset of so many people. You know, everyone is kind of afraid kind of with what's going on in the world and what's going on in this country. Everyone is very fearful. And when, of course I'm smiling and I jump off the four wheeler and stick my hand out, you know, to introduce myself, um, everybody just kind of relaxes, you know, and it was so fantastic because they had so many really well-educated questions. Number one, about practices, about the irrigation infrastructure that they could see, and they wanted to know all about what I do and how I do it. And so they had obviously done a lot of research on regenerative farming, 
on irrigation infrastructure, on soil treatments and amendments, all of those things. They, they had all of the questions and I had all of the answers. And, you know, I, it's, you get that feeling inside where you're like the resident expert on something. And I'm not bragging. It's just I have the experience. And, um, and I'm completely open and honest and completely transparent with all of my information. You know, there's, I wasn't holding any cards close to my chest. I was telling them my truth. And... Um, and they just gobbled it up, you know, and that's the thing with me is so many people are so guarded with their knowledge. You know, they're afraid you're going to get one up on them or they're afraid that they're going to lose their market share or whatever it happens to be. You know, there's two really good friends of mine that I've completely given, given them all of my business plans, all of my contacts for the, the direct market grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Because I, number one, want them to succeed. They're, they're good friends of mine with, with families just like me. You know, they're struggling with making farming go financially. Um, and I know that that direct market is the way to go. I mean, you gotta cut the middleman out because they've been gutting us for so long that the only way that you can truly capture your worth and your um, input into the business is by taking it direct to consumer. And that's just, that's just the fact of the matter. And in you, you, you segue into something very valuable that, you know, everybody's going to hear from these lips, uh, this vibration of my voice for a very long time now. One week, you and I were talking on the phone, and it was it was in correlation with a, a conversation I had with Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle. It was a it was the same couple of days that I talked to Justin Trammell out of uh, Canyon Trammell, sorry, uh, Tear Bloom, and a handful of other people. But there was you know you got you three guys basically said all the same thing. And to to kind of elaborate on what you were just talking about is cutting out the middleman. The reason the middleman basically um, has hijacked a lot of your power as far as being an animal producer, grass farmer, rancher, is because of the exploitation of the integration of our food and our health. And so let's talk about that. You and I one day, I think it was in the morning, we were whiteboarding a section, you know, throughout a you know through our conversation over the phone, and we we basically came up with this and Cole Bolton had actually said the same thing um, probably 15 minutes later after we got off the phone without me saying anything he goes what we need to do is do a vertical integration back into human health what that means and I think I've said this probably 10 times today is whenever we talk about a vertical integration into human health we're talking about starting with the soil going to the grass going to the cow to the producer to the processor to the supplier to creating a new market access that ends up being a health initiative and it's basically something that the american rancher is going to lead this year in 2022 and we're going to be very loud and outspoken about this and we're going to educate everybody that we can and who will listen that if you can have that vertical integration basically without the middlemen then your life is going to change your health is going to get better you're going to support somebody like jason Rick 
like Cole Bolton, Justin Trammell, all these ranchers that are coming through the beef initiative, people are going to understand what you guys are doing. And they're going to basically understand that it's not that hard of a pivot to the left or to the right of whatever they need to get based in their basically nutrition again. And you are a huge proponent. The reason you do is because you want the health of the soil. You want the health of the cow. You want the health of your business. You want the health of your supply. And by having your protocol that you have set up in Colorado, it's a little different than Cole and Justin in Texas. But the thing about it is all you guys want the same damn thing. You want everybody to get healthy again and you want people to be able to trust you and that you can basically give back. And that's just right. And that's that that conversation that you were talking about still gives me chills because I had just finished dropping off a half a beef or maybe a whole beef to a customer in Colorado Springs. And he and I had talked for about an hour about all the different places he had farmed, all the problems that he had seen with the grass, the problem with the people, the problem with the producers, the problem with the processors, you know, selling into a commodity system you're going to get, you're a price taker, right? Not a price maker. Whereas if you're direct to consumer and you, you, you follow through with whatever it is, the, the, what you're standing for, right? And you can prove it up. You can have people come out and see exactly what you're doing and you do it completely pure of heart. You can reap the benefit of your hard work 100%. Versus if you're a, a selling into the commodity market, if you're a, a, you know, a price taker, they're going to take advantage of you every chance that they get. And that really, you know, resonated with me, which then of course led right into me calling you while I was driving from Colorado Springs to Denver to, cause I just, I was so excited. I had to tell somebody, right. you know, and, um, and then, of course, I had also been listening to um, Mike Calcrate talking about how how bad the government relationship with putting packers, you know, all the small packers out of business through through regulation, and then them not enforcing the Stockyards and Packers Act, and then them repealing the country of origin labeling, and just how that's all it's gutted all of the little guys because it's all now consolidated, you know, and, um, and then talking to you and um, everybody there in Texas wanted to do a packing plan in every other County. I mean, why not? Because it's all about market access. It's, it's about hyper localization. It's about feeding your communities. And there's so many benefits to that. I mean, and those benefits include, not having to haul cattle hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles to the butcher, not having to haul hanging carcasses hundreds of miles to a cutting facility, you know, and, and if you look at the science of animals that eat grass, that's grown in the same environment that you live in, have all the nutrients that you need for you to be healthy because they have the amount of sunlight that you're getting. They're having the grasses, the soils, the dust, you know, the, the bacteria, all of that stuff that you need, that's, that's local to you. You can get it through eating that local meat. You know, that's the other thing that we do is we have uh, bees, honeybees. And so they're all foraging in all of the plants that we use 
to grow feed for our cattle. So when you're eating that raw local honey and you're eating that really good grass-fed, grass-finished beef, I mean, it's like a one-two knockout punch for health. And, and it's, it's just a, a marriage made in heaven. And, and that's why it's so exciting for me to be working with like-minded people all over the United States who everybody does it a little different because their environment is a little different. Their resources are a little different. Their experience is a little different. Their cattle are different. I mean, something that works for me at 11,000 feet um, may not work for someone that's at sea level or at 135 degrees and 95% humidity. You know, it's one of those things where you need to have locally adapted cattle for wherever you are. Um, and that's the great thing about it, though, is then you have all of those consumers for all of those different products. There's, there's nothing that says um, you shouldn't be buying local meat, produce, chickens, whatever it happens to be. If you can support your local guys, because all of those guys are going to be supporting you via taxes, via, you know, buying at your local stores, all of those things, local tractor dealers, all of that stuff. Keep all that money local. Don't send it to Brazil where the CEOs and the CFOs of, you know, one of the big fours live. Yeah. And that's such a good point. I mean, as far as, you know, um, the processing centers in the state of Texas, you know, there's tons and tons of processing centers that used to be based in communities, small towns that have been mothballed all across the state of Texas. I always have to tell everybody, you know, we're not we're not uh, re we're not reinventing the wheel. It's, the stuff was already there. It's already been part of how we got to where we were. It was just kind of hijacked from us. And you talk about things like market access. People don't understand market access and how it is controlled by, you know, 85% of our market access of our animal protein in the United States is by those four processing meat packing facilities. They control the market access. They control the supply. They control whenever you can put a, you know, a harvest a cow and put them on a hook. And, and everything that that, that is, actually is a, a net negative for the the cattle rancher and it's by design and you know it's something that you guys have to live with and you have to basically orchestrate your whole lifestyle and your hopes and your dreams and your strengths your weaknesses your emotions around of and it's such a de uh, centralized system that has basically stolen the decentralized power and empowerment in which got us here that's something that we have to do this year that's why we're having these conferences is because that right there what I I just said what you just said is that vertical integration into human health and once you do tie those dots you create those nodes of communication because you talk about every rancher is different cole and i had that conversation for about an hour yesterday talking about the conference as well he goes yeah man i've been studying jason and everything that he does is everything that i believe in but we're just a little bit different but that's the beautiful thing of it because the water sourcing this the soil he he doesn't he doesn't you know he doesn't do bees i mean there's so many things that are different but there's so many things that are actually the strength and the bond of everything you do let's look at canada this last couple of weeks i mean all the snowstorms that they had to do during calving season i mean look what they had to go through a lot of times they're not struggling for water they're struggling for too much snow here in colorado sometimes you get flooded out but sometimes you are a plateau which is you know acts like the desert high plain 
rains. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. That means there's no damn water. There's no <laughs> damn grass, you know, and that's why the pioneers of that valley went and did that, you know, that irrigating in the way that they did. And it, look how the, that proof of work back then, how it's still going since 1865. You look at the you look at the Texas Panhandle, which is the desert high plains. It's on Llano Estacado. I mean, people say you can't raise cattle there, you know, and I say bullshit. Guess what? There used to be a couple of million buffalo on this damn grass, and then they lasted a long time until we came in and destroyed it. And then we had cattle on this land, and guess what? Until everybody came in and destroyed that grazing. What kind of grazing? Well, the regenerative grazing that got us all here. And our society in the last 50 years have lost their history. They've lost their heritage and their tradition, and there's a handful of guys out there across North America, South America, Mexico, wherever you go across this world that are trying to save this philosophy that basically is something that has given us our power and our food sources for thousands of years. And for, and for us, as far as the beef initiative, as far as the cattle rancher, as far as a grass farmer, it is, is almost criminal to have to fight something that is actually so precious to our human health. And that's exactly what I reason I got into, you know, basically everything with food intelligence was to put my damn foot down and say, we're going to start demanding the food that our ancestors gave us the opportunity to experience. And we're going to honor it and we're going to fight for it because we are in a, a, a war of information. Information. We're in network war. We're in basically a monetary war. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about their food that they better get ready to understand that you need to understand what a store of value is, is in your in your animal protein, which is your nutrition, which basically gives you that human health initiative that our country needs and that you guys are trying to provide. Well, and that's one thing. So we had uh, ag days. So the, the black Mesa cattle women's put on ag days and you, uh, you bring all of the counties, um, middle schoolers and elementary school kids through. And so it's not all of them. I think it was like third through sixth grades. And one of the, the head honcho ladies in the black Mesa cattle women's, she is a breast cancer survivor. And she is a hardcore conventional cattle woman. So of course, in her mind, cows need to go to a feedlot and when they feed cows for themselves, they grain them, right? Which I don't have anything against that. But we got into this conversation about direct market. And then we also got into the conversation specifically about the beef initiative and how important animal protein is in your, in your diet. And she explained to me how she had fired five nutritionists <laughs> who had been telling her, stay away from red meat. You know, you need to eat plenty of carbs so you can stay, have enough energy to fight this cancer and on and on and on. And she's like, um, no. BS, bullshit. She says, I'll tell you what, my grandparents lived to be in their hundreds. My parents are currently in their upper 90s and they are meat and potatoes people, right? And everything that they eat is either fried in lard or fried in beef tallow or fried in butter. And I guess I have a hard time understanding how you as a nutritionist can tell me that I need to stay away from meat and I eat it, eat carbs, which when broken down are sugars, which is exactly what feeds cancer. Bullshit. I'm going to eat meat. We eat meat every single meal. 
Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we eat meat. And just so you know, I'm going to continue eating meat. I beat cancer because my body was strong enough to do it. And your radiation and chemotherapy worked. But I consumed meat the whole time, even though you told me not to. And that's the problem is we have this, this, this fake commodity mindset in food that's based on hyper-processed, super cheap garbage instead of getting back to our roots our, and eating like our ancestors, that it was whatever you could kill or whatever you could gather. And that's what sustained you. And those of us that have switched up our diet and we've gone more animal-based and less and less and less grains and less and less processed food, it's amazing how much sharper you feel. It's amazing with a little intermittent fasting, how the pounds just melt off. And it's one of those things where people come up to me and they're like, wow, you look great. What are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm eating right and I'm working my ass off. What more do you need? You know I mean? And that's really all you need in your life. And if you can convince people to just try it, because so oftentimes if you can get someone to try it for a month, they will notice the differences and then, then they'll be a believer for life because why not? If you don't have to do anything extra other than plan your meals a little bit better, shop locally um, and cook home, home cooked meals. Don't go to Burger King, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, whatever, you know, put something in the slow cooker when you leave in the morning and it'll be ready for you to eat when you get home from work. And um, more and more people need to get get back to doing that again. Well, it, it, it's funny. And I said it earlier today with the, I was, I had the meat mafia guys on, you know, the podcast and we were, we were talking about health and everything and people overcoming, you know, health issues. The one thing that I've seen as a problem this year and even last year when I started, you know, creating the, you know, the food intelligence kind of narrative to lead into the beef initiative is that people in our society, and it's been, all of us are guilty of it is the, how we overanalyze things and in the true validation that we give things that we really don't understand that we really shouldn't be validating. And it, as far as doing a lifestyle change within your, your diet and your nutrition, it is so simple. It is about eating animal protein and it, 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 it's not about the supermarket. It's not about labels anymore. You know, at one point in time, maybe, I don't know, labels were something that were effective, but I, I challenge everybody right now to go get something out, you know, the, out of their pantry and read the label. And what they're going to read is probably very, very easily will have over 50 ingredients and over 90% of those people will not be able to say a sentence of all of those words. Well, that's, that's basically how our food system has been set up. And you talk about the fake commodity we are basically all of our our base uh consumption model is based on a fake commodity system that produces high yields overly processed uh metabolical bankruptcy in this country and everybody sometimes takes this narrative and it shocks them 
because you know what they say they're very intentional they're trying to do the right things they're trying to consume something that they they feel that you know they should be consuming they are mothers are out there you know parents are out there feeding their children they're saying hey this says healthy you know this says heart healthy this says this this says that what they do not understand is our industrial food complex has come to a, a point in time in the history of man to where we've never been this bad off as far as nutrition we are going through a nutritional starvation that people know deep down in their subconscious they know you can go anywhere in society right now and see that this country is not healthy the last two years prove that so it takes something that we've experienced as far as the high death rate with the virus that went around the world, whatever that was, I call it a marketing plan. And it was a global marketing plan that people bit off on. You know why they bit off on it? Because they're trusting. And one thing that has happened to our society is that most people in our society are very good, caring people that trust. And so, but that trust has been basically sabotaged by a lot of deception based on what we desire as far as taste and what we desire basically that we're doing the right thing even when we try. Guess what? The gig is up. And it's, it's as simple as that. So the simplicity of being able to change your consumption model into basically cutting out all the middlemen. You don't have to ask any more questions. You don't have to go to the supermarket as much. You don't have to spend more money because you don't. Uh, it's, it's just something that you pivot, like I say, all the time. And you just make that small little change. And once you've made that change, you know, you know, Dr. Mary Care, and I talk, I, I, I'm pushing this big time, is doing that 48-hour bone broth fast to get you thinking correctly again and to get rid of that damn brain fog well guess what people like you and me and everybody in the beef initiative that are moving forward man we got so much clarity that you know that's why we're in a good mood that's why we feel good and that's why we're doing the right things and you know that's why you know I said, we're going to have a conference. And I said, Jason, you're going to speak at a conference. And you say, hell yeah, I'll make a plane ticket. And so you got your plane ticket and here you are. You're flying in the middle of Eden, Colorado, which is not easy to fly from in the first place. So you're flying into, I believe, San Antonio, correct? Yep. Then renting a car and driving to Kerrville, baby. <laughs> when are you coming in to Kerrville, Texas? Uh, Friday afternoon. Excellent, because that's when we're going to start kicking off everything. We're going to have a meetup in Kerrville, Texas, at a place called Mamacitas. And you can find it. It's not that hard. I believe we're starting around six. Uh, you know, we're going to have access to the museum that day. If we want, if everybody gets there early, go to the Western Museum of Art, Museum of Western Art in Kerrville, Texas. If you're getting there early Friday, go ahead and uh, go in and go scope it out. See why we chose this place, because it's bringing heritage and tradition back into the conversation and everything that we're going to be talking about that Saturday. Um what was it that you wanted to basically give people as far as a signal? Not too much, but what are you going to be talking about whenever we uh, we get up there Saturday and we start having a good time all day Saturday in Kerrville? Well, you know, the thing for me is it's all about um, state of mind. So oftentimes our successes and also our health and all of those things is all based on a state of mind. You know, I don't own any land at all whatsoever. And so many people, their idea of starting a, a ranch or, or a ranching business, farming business, whatever, is all, well, I can't afford to buy land. Well, I can't afford to buy land either. Um, 
why would you buy land if you can make 10% return on 2% money, you know, versus paying 10% interest on 2% money, just honestly, from a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense. And it gives you a, a flexibility. And so it's one of those things where that for me, it's like, let's talk about thinking outside the box and just how much opportunity there is out there. You know, you have all different kinds of, of ranching and livestock endeavors, and um, it's not a one size fit all. It's not. It's not a one process fits all. And there's money to be made in all of them. The other thing too is is uh, if you're spending money on stock water infrastructure, it's the best investment you'll ever have. You get so much more bang for your buck in your rotation of grazing, all of those things. So I love love to talk about that. And, uh, and then of course, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's the biggest thing. So many people are afraid to get started for making a mistake. And, um, that's that's never, that's never stopped me from anything. And I've been kicked in the teeth more than once. <laughs> and anytime yeah, someone's, <laughs> yeah. And, and every time someone says that'll never work or you can't do that. My response is challenge accepted. Oh yeah. Because then you work that much harder to prove them wrong. And then the next year they want to know, so how did you do that? You know? And um, so for me, boy, it's, it's a, it's a paradigm shift. You have to, you have to be willing to think outside the box if you want to have success in a, in a, in a, a small margin business like what we do and do it the way that we do it. Yeah, I mean, perception is reality, right? You get your uh, your your perspective and your perception, you know, based first. That state of mind, like you talk about, that is that is the most powerful thing to be able to give you that confidence. And the only time, usually, really in our society anymore, that you're going to be any effective and you're going to have any peace of mind and joy in your life is that. You know, whenever you can go in and engineer that own suffering, you know, on your own and and be okay with it, where that suffering is actually entertainment for you, and it's a it's a it's a it's a sense of empowerment that only you, the individual, can create and engineer. And, you know, that's what the, the conference is really about. You know, you're a first generational rancher. We're going to have Cole, you know, uh, fourth, third, fourth generational rancher. There's there's a progression it, it, that we're bringing back to people's mindset that it doesn't matter where you get in this game. You don't have to have land, you know, and we're going to have some announcements at the conference as well. It's like, man, I don't own, I don't own any land. Uh, guess what? I'm going to I'm going to have some cattle this year. I'm going to know who's going to be basically stewarding those cattle. Um, I'm on a pathway now to where my food secure security is going to be taken care of for the next decade. And that's me, Texas Slim, you know, for, with the beef initiative. Well, we're going to probably, you know, let you know kind of a little something about that to where you can be a part of that. And so we're going to create that mindset of people, you know, understanding what basically food is again, that there is an integration into human health that was right in front of us. We don't have to ask permission here. We don't have to worry about that. We're already doing it. All we're doing is connecting dots in people's minds and their mindsets to where they say, oh, shit, I live in New York City and I can be part of this. You damn right. I mean, because I get people all the time saying, is this a Texas thing? I said, hell no. 
this is a world thing, man. We're going to start in Texas because I'm Texan. And I like to say that I'm Texan. And that's what we have to do. We have to lead. And guess what? I got I got good friends in Colorado. I got friends in Tennessee. I got friends in uh, Quebec. I got friends in British Columbia. I got friends in Wyoming, North Dakota. Here we go. We got them in Florida, Georgia, Kansas, Oklahoma. We've got them in Arizona. We got them in California. Oh, man, and this is picking up a little steam. And we're all going to be doing this together because that's all this is, is decentralized communication that's based on sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. And that's what this conference is about. And people are going to understand that, you know, you don't have to go to freaking Disney anymore. You don't have to do that type of rent seeking for your entertainment. What you got is a lifestyle that's going to be an international lifestyle. And it's starting right here. And we're doing it within the beef initiative because all of us are kind of pumped about being able to pull this off. And one thing that we're going to do within the Beef Initiative and the Beef Initiative conferences is that, guess what, everybody? Jason's going to host our second conference this year. Everybody tells me, don't say anything about a conference in Colorado. So I just won't say the date, but guess what? We're going to have a (laughs) conference in Colorado out at Jason's place. Not to sell our conference short this week, right? But this is, you deserve to to talk about that, kind of our idea behind it and let's put some lofty expectations out there that we have to own because we're going to state it right here. Well, and that's the thing for me is I'm a hands-on guy and I've had so many people reach out to me wanting information about how do you do it? How do you get started? How do you source your cattle? You know, what makes the best business sense? All of these things. Why do you do the way that you do it? Well, this is a, this is a 100 level class all the way through to a 400 level class on how you're going to be able to do that. The different systems that we use, the different markets that we use, the different types of cattle that we use, the different classifications of cattle that we use, all of those things where anybody and everyone can do it if they really want to do it. And that's without having to own any land. I mean, and the exciting thing with direct market is you don't even have to own cows. You can buy feeder calves from someone that you trust and you have them for the short amount of time while you finish them. And then they go to the butcher and then you ski the rest of the year or whatever it happens to be that you want to do the rest of the year. Our business model, of course, we're conception to plate. So we have the mother cows because we know exactly what we got. We calve out those babies and we raise them all the way through to the only one bad day that they have in their life. And that's the day that they get butchered. You know, but that's how passionate we feel about it, because that's how important that aspect is to us. But that's not the only way to do it. And there's lots of people having huge successes doing it other ways. The other thing, too, about the North Fork Valley is we've got vineyards. We've got organic orchards. We've got wineries. We've got whitewater rafting. We've got stand-up paddle boards. We've got reservoirs with fishing. We've got hiking trails. I mean, you name it. Most people, when they come to visit, they figure out a way that they can stay or they can at least come for a month at a time. And um, that's great. Other than those of us that were born and raised here have just seen how many more people there are now than there were back in the day. So, but it's just because it's, it's, I mean, literally in the winter, I can drive an hour and a half one way and downhill ski and then the next day, drive an hour and a half the other direction and mountain bike, all, all in the same weekend. Um, 
because those are the opportunities we have here. Yeah, and that's that's what's going to be fun because you know everybody's going to be there's a couple of cabins there and you know Kerrville as far as on the Guadalupe River and stuff it's pretty cool but man I'm so excited I'm going to bring my boy uh, he graduates this year and you know I'm gonna I already told him I said man your senior trip with your dad is going to be in Colorado man we're gonna go we're gonna go fly fishing we're gonna go camping we're gonna go hang out with some ranchers we're gonna I don't know maybe we'll go mountain biking I mean it's unlimited in that valley what you can do. That, you know, Hotchkiss has, you know, an art center there. There's, you know, Paonia is a cool little funky town. Crawford, you know, is right there at that pivot point where you can go in a lot of different directions and go. You got Needle Rock out there. You got, you know, old place called that you were ta- you and I were talking about the Smith Fork Ranch. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of creeks and fly fishing to be done back up there that I used to do. So, you know, the, the differences of the conferences are extremely different. But guess what? They're all the damn same thing. You know, they're, they're basically educating people about a protocol that provides them great, dense animal protein nutrition. And what else would you rather do? I, I, I call it the new international lifestyle, like I said, and it, it's right here in front of us. All we have to do is, is listen and kind of educate on our way through it. And we've got the educators. You, you know, you've got the ranchers. You've got, you got me growing into food intelligence. I mean, all of this is coming together. And, you know, the meat mafia guys are going to you speak out there at the ranch. They're going to talk about a lot of health and nutrition we're going to have you know uh, I've, I've invited dr mary care to speak at any conference that we have this year because her message is so strong we might have a, a different doctor there to join along with us uh, the one thing that these conferences and that you and i are working really hard on and this is something we haven't talked about yet because both of our ways of life that we're living and that what we understand is decentralization a store of value stuff like that well guess what that's why we're bringing education to the ranchers about the Bitcoin protocol. And you had already stepped in there before you and I had ever talked. So you kind of had a, a jump start. And you, you know, you're out there orange pilling people right now. <laughs> you orange pilled a, you know, a, a group of investors, senior investors just the other day into, into Bitcoin. And you know, we've been working on the education that we're gonna be able to give to the the ranchers now. And at the conference, you know, we're gonna be talking about that. By the time we get to Colorado this summer, that education models are going to be running like full steam because there's going to be a webinar. There's going to be stuff that we're talking about, Bitcoin protocol, Bitcoin network, Bitcoin store of value that people really do not understand in the beginning. But what we're going to really do with the educational system is we're going to say, this is why. This is why you need to listen to us about Bitcoin. This is why you need to turn off all the the FUD out there as far as, you know, what is Bitcoin. And you need to listen to the ranchers that have already been there. They've already gone through this educational process. They're showing proof of work within basically custody, self-ownership, access on ramps, how you leverage, everything that we want to teach the American rancher, animal producer, grass farmer. This is something that you're going to need because, you know, what your grandfather knew this mentality of a store of value that was decentralized back in the day he just didn't have this protocol that's in a digital form that is a ledger that is basically a piece of property and once we get that awareness you tell me you tell everybody out there how do you think these ranchers are going to innovate the education from where we begin to where we kind of leave off and how far will the rancher american rancher take the understanding and the facilitation of adoption of the bitcoin protocol 
Well, it's a no brainer because they understand what true proof of work. Looks like we might have lost Jason there real quick. So we'll keep this going. He is in Crawford, Colorado. He is, uh, you know, the internet connections out there and the phone reception is not the best. Um, What he was just uh, commenting on really was uh, basically the true proof of work. I mean, you heard what he did. Here you go. There you are. You're back. That's one great thing about rural America is uh, Wi-Fi and, and all of that is kind of hard to come by sometimes. Hey, man, that's what I was just commenting. I said, hey, he's in Crawford, Colorado. It just happens. But, <laughs> but the good news is, is we're supposed to get fiber this summer. Those guys were here last week, and I am stoked. Because when you're trying to run an online business and you're trying to communicate via social media and it's hit or miss on whether it comes through or not, that's so frustrating. But yeah. what I was saying is farmers and ranchers already know what proof of work is. And they also know what store of value is. Because if you look at what we invest in, we're investing in 50-year and 100-year projects as far as irrigation infrastructure, stock water infrastructure. You know, we're, we're, we're investing in things that we know are going to pay huge dividends for our generation as well as the next generation. And especially we're on the precipice of a, of a potential complete collapse of the U.S. dollar. If you look at what's happening and, and all of that, why would you keep, your store of value and your total financial wealth in something that could go away overnight when you can put it in something as hard as Bitcoin and with all of the acceptance of different platforms that you can trade on, whether it's, you know, you're paying for things, you're accepting payments on just like me. I mean, I sell beef direct to consumer for Bitcoin and with as easy as all of that is and as straightforward as all of that is. And once you, have the basics down it's just like having a credit card except you don't have to pay the huge insane fees that you have to pay in some of these um card reader applications and then you can completely custody it yourself you have 100 control of your wealth you have control of your income and you have control of your wealth and then you can turn right around and leverage it if you want to you don't have to put a note on the farm. You can put a note on your Bitcoin. And, and and if there's something that you need, you might as well pay yourself that interest versus paying the bank. And, and so it makes so much sense from so many angles that once they get it and they have the basic understanding, those, most people that I've orange pilled and really got them set up, they just ran with it. They'll call me, they'll text me, whatever. Hey, we did this. Hey, we did that. We talked to this guy. We talked to that guy. And now they're orange peeling people too, you know, other people in our community. So it's, it's just super exciting. And, and, you know, I, I can't I, I wait, can't to, wait that to that day, day. that um, we got a little echo there. I can't wait for that day that, um, you know, that one who are, it might be you, it might be Cobalt, it might be Justin, it might be, you know, who are, who knows who it is. There's going to be a rancher in the United States that takes this and really that light truly comes on that changes this industry forever. Mm-hmm. And I, I firmly believe that. I think that is our guiding light that we can look forward to that basically is, you know, hopefully we can all be master communicators because one thing that we don't have is a very good, clear communication of education. And that's where we really have to take that step back and say, how do we approach this? Because I have a lot of people that come to me and say, hey, man, how are you talking about Bitcoin to ranchers and animal producers? And I said, the one thing you don't do is get up in their face and say, hey, do you take 
take Bitcoin. <laughs> what you do is you go up there and you shake their damn hand and say, hey, I want to know how you do what you do. Would you please educate me? Would you help me understand how important it is what you do? I want to show you some respect. And then, you know, once once um, once you've educated me here a little bit, I want to know more about where you come from. You start that conversation and then what you do is you, you, you let somebody know that you respect them. Within, within that respect, you know, that's always usually done in the beginning, looking somebody in the eye and shaking their hand and say, man, I want to help you. Would you help me? And do, being that honest, just like you rolling up on a four-wheeler to somebody that's a complete stranger in the mountains, you know, that's needless to say, you know, that you don't do that too often out there in the strange lands. You don't walk up on somebody and, you know, they come storming after you. You know, you hear that deliverance banjo playing, so you better watch out. <laughs> so, you know, the thing, how, how you overcome that, man, is what you do is you go up there and you give. And so talking to the ranchers, talking to the animal producers, I saw that from the very beginning saying, I know how to do this, man. I know what I know the conversations to have with them. And I'm thick skinned enough from where I come from that I'm not going to be offended if they tell me to go piss off and get off their land. I was like, it's OK, man. Bless your heart. You'll be talking to me one of these days and I'm not going to hold any regrets and resentments towards you for telling me to get the hell off your land because I come in peace. So, you know, there's there's an art form to this. And as we kind of get this content you know library that we're creating within the beef initiative that jason rick of rick ranches of crawford colorado this library of historical data that we're creating things are going to change and it's about to pick up steam this year and i can feel it i know you can because we started this when did you and i meet it was last november october november something like that wasn't it yeah, you would know better than I do. It, you know, oh, doing what I do, it all just runs <laughs> together. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I know we go through four seasons. You know, you have snow season, calving season, mud season, wind season, which is generally also when you irrigate. Then you have haying season. Then it's time to go back to snow season and just keep yeah. cycling over and over and over again. Let's talk about that because, you know, I, I called my first series of that newsletter, you know, the harvest of deception. Let's talk about harvest. Let's talk about seasons. And I think that you and I have been right now, which is very dear to my heart. It's spiritual, the seasons in which we live in. You've sent me pictures from those two seasons. I mean, <laughs> whenever I, one day I woke up, it was pretty early. You get up pretty early. I get up pretty early. Um, uh, and, and I woke up and there's a picture. <laughs> Jason sent me a picture of freaking blizzard here <laughs> and you're like and then the next day i can't remember you sent me another picture of a sunrise over a white valley that looked like freaking paradise and that's what you get to see every day and that that reward that i'm getting to be able to you know have these conversations with you and that we're helping each other out people understand you can have this too we can have this type of exchange of content in in if of basically dialogue that that makes everything kind of fun we don't know time anymore what we know is seasons and we're well, changing now, the seasons 
when I, when I get a text from you that came before I woke up, I'm like, damn, I'm not working hard enough because Texas Slim is up before I am. And then I give myself a little break because you're going to see sunrise a little earlier than I'm going to your time zone to my time zone. So I try and cut myself a little slack, but you're absolutely right. You opening up the conversation through the podcast that we've done together and the connections that you've helped me to make with other people. I love those phone calls that say, my name is so-and-so. I saw you on Twitter and then I went and listened to your podcasts. I didn't even know that I could buy a quarter of a beef. Can I buy a quarter of a beef from you? And it's one of those things where it's interesting. I, I had a really good friend of mine just yesterday asked me, what are you going to do with all of this fame and notoriety <laughs> getting doing what you're doing? And, and my response that caught me a little off guard because I haven't really thought of it like that. Um, because the reason I'm doing is just trying to, to help people with their health and also with their food security because we have so many people in this country that do not have food security and they are literally um, health starved. Yeah. I mean, there is, there is such a deficit in their knowledge, which is based on our food pyramid. I mean, we've mm -hmm. taught them since they were children how to eat and now they're dealing with cancers and other autoimmune diseases just simply because of they're doing what they were told and they were doing what the surgeon general told them to do. And that's a crime. And, and I'm, a, I'm a spokesperson for, for changing that narrative and trying to help people and educate them and do my best to feed as many people as I can that wholesome nutrient dense animal protein you know, that we know from the time that it's conceived all the way to the time that it's on your plate every day that it's ever had. And um, that's what I really appreciate about our relationship and the opportunities that you've given me and my family to be able to reach out and make those connections with those people and provide that, that service and also let them live vicariously through us, being able to see what we do and why we do it and what that looks like. And, um, and some of them have come out to, to see the ranch and see what we do. And that's just, it's, I've really been honored to be able to be involved in that. Well, and you, you know, talking about that, what we, what you just explained is, is a value for value exchange. It is, it, it, it's as simple as that. And it's something that we've both done, you know, organically and holistically, as far as just just we just want to do it it's the right thing to do and uh you know from our first conversation we got along but basically that happens with everybody that you've spoken with guess what there's already that trust that is established mm -hmm. that's what the beef initiative is about i brought up earlier about we're trusting people we've just been exploited that trust has been exploited well, we're going to steal that fucking trust back and we're going to get you know we're going to put our foot down and we're going to say this is this is ending now and we're doing everything the right way we're doing it from a, a, a stance of honesty and truth and something that has stability and the reason it does is because we understand our past we understand where we come from good and bad we get it but what we do understand 
understand moving forward is you're not going to do this anymore, and especially to our children. You're not going to make it to where 46% of our children in the United States are either obese or overweight and on the way to diabetes. Those are facts, people. And, you know, it, we, we can go down all those rabbit holes of, of, of basically what got us here and everything. And, and it's been about six months that we've been doing this. Well, guess what? We're, we understand the problem. And what we're going to do is we're going to counterpunch so hard in such a right way. We're, we're going to know the law better than the law knows it itself, because that's what you do in, in your region of Colorado. How many boards are you on right now that you're part of your community from water boards, land management boards to Bitcoin meetups, whatever it is. You, you let us know what you do beyond the 24 seven that you're getting up about the same time I am one hour ahead of you. <laughs> I think we're on nine board of directors um, you know we're on two domestic water companies an irrigation company uh, uh, FFA alumni board of directors the Colorado Angus Association the Western Colorado Angus Association the um, Delta branch of the Rocky Mount Farmers Union um, so it, it's one of those things where all the ones that are water water is the lifeblood of what we do if you don't have it you don't have people out here. Um, the Rocky Mountain Farmers Union is, is fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's legislative. They're, they've got their finger on the pulse of what's happening in D.C. and also in our state representatives. FFA, it's all about the kids. You know, we raise money to be able to send kids to leadership conferences. We give out scholarships, all of that stuff. Um, and... Of course, I, I also do some advising for some other um, organizations. I don't have the time necessarily to sit on the board and 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 um, have that responsibility, but I make the time to make sure that they're they're on board with what we're looking at as far as protecting ag. Mm-hmm in our county and in Western Colorado, and then also in our state. Um, because that, believe it or not, ag is under attack. You know, big pharma has done such a good job keeping people sick to be able to keep them filled full of drugs. And they're also working to engineer, you know, manufacture what they call food. And they're saying that it's better for the environment. And so, Oftentimes through backdoor dealings, they're, they're paying some of these lobbying outfits to backdoor agriculture and um, criminalize animal agriculture and all of that stuff. And so if you, if you aren't listening to those groups, if you're not, if you don't have a seat at the table, uh, it's good, you're going to have a rude awakening when, you know, something comes down that you weren't aware of. You know, the Colorado Angus Association is, is um, fantastic for supporting youth, and it's a breed association, and that's also the kind of cattle that we, we raise is predominantly registered black Angus. And then the Western Colorado Angus Association is a consignment bull sale organization. It's Most of its function is to have a place for people to bring their bulls, consign them, and sell them as breeding stock, you know, and that, that sale is – has an ebb and flow that's unfortunately as our small farms continue to go away that market is harder and harder to tap into but one thing i do wholly support that we do is we give out scholarships to our youth 
um, kids that are going into ag or trade schools. We're trying to support all of them that we can because that's that there are so many kids getting pushed to go to college and then they graduate from college and they don't have a job. And whereas we have, I mean, our skilled labor is aging out and we've got to get more people into that to be our electricians and plumbers and mechanics and all of those things. Um, And honestly, most of those jobs pay better than your college educated job anyways. And a lot of them you can get, you can get trained on the job while you're getting paid. And um, that's fantastic. Well, let's do, let's go into the scholarships. I mean, I wasn't really going to talk about that, but once again, uh, a couple of our conversations have led into scholarships and, you know, same thing. Um, that's how all these ranchers and animal producers and grass farmers think people, they're all on the same wavelength. You know, I was talking to Cole and, you know, we, we reflected on FFA and, you know, 4-H and, you know, I know, I know the, the, the academic institutional system in agriculture america especially in the state of texas you know we we understand it it is what it is right and so we we started to you know have this harebrained idea guess what you know well the beef initiative is moving forward this year to where we're going to have a scholarship program and everybody that comes in as far as a rancher into the beef initiative we're going to develop that form of trust and when I say the word trust, it's, it, there's a couple of legal things there, but there's also uh, a humanity thing in there. We're going to build this scholarship trust, and, and once we get going and moving forward, every rancher that gets to come in to the beef initiative or that chooses to come in, because we're, we're going to basically invite every rancher in North America to come into the beef initiative. What we're going to do is we're going to s- develop a scholarship trust program to where, you know, hey, you're you, – you know who got you this trust here, this, this, this scholarship? Well, that was Jason Rick. And what you're going to do is you're going to be able to, Jason Rick, if Rick Ranches, is going to be able to allot that scholarship. And you're going to say, hey, student, guess what? You're going to come over here for maybe a month in the summer. You want to go out to Tennessee? Okay, we got a we got a note out in Tennessee. You're going to go out to Tennessee. You want to go down to Texas? You get to go down in Texas and do like three touch points, maybe four over a year. We don't know that. We're going to work it out. Let's follow the seasons. Hi, what are we going to do? We're going to follow the seasons with a scholarship program that's going to be represented by ranchers within the Beef Initiative. And that's what that, what does that do? Well, that gives back. Once again, here we are. We're giving, and it's not that difficult to pull off and whenever you and i talked about that man i remember your your voice you're like hell yeah let's you know and it really is not the, what are we doing we're not what are, what are what are we sacrificing we're not sacrificing anything the rancher gets to board up somebody that wants to come learn from them and you get to teach them it doesn't have to be this institution academical bs that everybody gets trapped up in and what it's going to be is going to be boots on the ground it's going to be proof of work and it's going to be observational intelligence that you lead with every day of your life and i think it's just one of the be- best things that, you know, we could have come up that with that day, especially. <laughs> well, that's the thing for me is I had a, a, a really strong business friend of mine and, and we got, we got a little, a little heated, a little fluffed up about um, employees and wages and intelligence and training and all of that stuff. And me being in ag and having, taught so many young people 
the basics of animal husbandry, um, how to build fence, how to run a chainsaw, how to sharpen a chainsaw, how to cut fence posts. I mean, just, just basic stuff that they had no idea about knowing that as soon as they figured all that stuff out, they were going to go on to bigger and better things, you know? And, and he was, he was talking about, you know, like this, we've talked about it before, like the rent seeking mentality, mm-hmm. you know? And of course I, I'm telling him there was a type of person who's just going to take, do the bare minimum to get as much as they can. There's people like that, but the people that approach me that want to come work for me know that they're going to have to work pretty damn hard to keep up with me. And they know that I don't share, um, everything with everyone. I mean, I have people that come and help me and I give them just the information they, that they need to do the job that they do. And then you see the ones who have a fire in them and um, they're just a giant sponge for the information. And I pour everything that I have into them, every tip, every trick, all of those things, knowing that they're going to go on and and probably do it themselves. They're going to replicate what I'm doing themselves only better or in a different place or they're going to go to work for someone else and they're going to say, where did you learn how to do that? And they're going to say, well, I learned it from Jason. You know, I helped him this summer. I helped him do this or I helped him do that. And, um, and then I hear back from them because it's a small community. They're like, Hey, this guy's worked for me and he is fantastic. Um, why did he quit working for you? And I was like, well, he, he figured out everything that I needed him to figure out and it was time for him to go somewhere else. Or I ran out of work for him knowing that he was going to go on to bigger and better things. And that's the thing for me is boy, talk about making impact in your community. When you can train those guys up, you can teach them what intentionality is. You can teach them what it means to do the Lord's work, you know, and, and, be their own biggest critic as far as trying to do their best, no matter what, because so oftentimes the mentality is, is, well, I don't care. You know, I'm working for someone else. Whereas those guys that are like, I'm going to do the best that I can, no matter what, you know, they're going to go far and you want to just pour everything into them to make sure that they have opportunities, you know, that other people that aren't working that hard, that are true rent seekers will never get. And um, that's the thing for me is I just, I preach and preach and preach that if you have somebody that wants to do a good job, um, you got to hold them up. Yeah. I mean, it's responsibility. You know, it is that knowledge share that we've, we've kind of lost. And, you know, in my lifetime, what I see is that, you know, we, we forfeited that, that, that gift to be able to share that, to have that knowledge share within our children, with younger generations. And each generation, it gets a little less and less, and it's turned over to the institutional, academic institutional apparatus that, you know, has gotten us here in the first place. You know, because a lot of the institutions that we know, as far as these big institutional schools, you know, who who, who provides them the most funding? You know, it, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the umbrella that we talk about, you know, big farm big tech, big whatever, the chemical companies, all that. We don't have to go there. But what we can do is we can do this grass-fed, grassroots type of uh, scholarship foundation, and we don't have to ask for permission, people. <laughs> this is a different type of uh, intentional learning and proof of work that they're actually going to carry that person, that, that young person, you know, 
into a new stage of their life to where they're going to have some confidence and they're not going to be basically the mercy of somebody that wants to keep you ignorant, lazy and stupid and, you know, probably a little overweight these days. So, you know, the, the lack of human health once again comes into the picture. So, you know, everything that we're touching, we have to basically, you know, our efforts of giving back and, you know, and receiving have to be symbiotic with all the type of creativity that we can come up with. You know, the Beef Initiative is going to be, it's a brand, it's going to be a brand. And, you know, what uh, you've been really good about as far as talking to the ranchers, because they're, they're kind of confused about it. Well, the, right now, you know, what we're doing is we're introducing a, a gateway that you can actually have a little bit more empowerment as a rancher. You can create that input and output that is crowdsourced and you can let people know who you are. So I'm going to segue into that. If you're a rancher in North America right now, United States and Canada, you can go to beefinitiative.com, go to the producer section and put your information in there so everybody can basically search you. It's not about selling. It's not about anything. It's about education. Let everybody know what you're doing. You know, reach out. Reach out to Texas Slim and the Beef Initiative, and you can send it out to, you know, beef, uh, beefinitiative.com. You know, once again, there's so much information, but you can actually send an email to producers at beefinitiative.com. Once we get done with this conference, that's what we're doing. We're going as we're doing the education to the ranchers as far as the Bitcoin, you know, ethos, the Bitcoin uh, value for value exchange, the store of value. What we're going to be able to do is the ranchers are going to start educating everybody more and more through the beef initiative about what they do. And then they're, they're going to understand, hey, this is Jason Rick in Colorado. This is what he's doing out there. Look at these boards. Look at the scholarship that he got started. This is what you can do as a rancher right now to fight back. And it's, it is a decentralized way that's a counterpunch to the, to the centralization, which has basically been a controlled demolition of the American rancher. And we're sick of it. We're going to take it back. And, and that's what's exciting about this and because we're doing it the right way. Um, we're getting close towards the end. Let's let's tell everybody basically what we see this year panning out to be. From Kerrville to 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 you in Colorado, where would you want to be sitting come Christmas time? Whenever everybody's sending you Christmas cards. Well, that's one of those things that's so exciting about this. Um, you know, kind of like this this tribe that we're building and and the mentality of people who who prioritize their health and they prioritize their health through their nutrition, that it's a community that continues to get stronger and stronger. And, it, and the more that we work together, the stronger the signal gets and the more lives that we get to impact, the more children that are, you know, conceived and born into healthy families because their folks are eating right, exercising, all of those things. Where, where I see this is me already being pre-sold out for all the beads I'm going to butcher next year, which we're, we're well on our way already. Um, which, which is just a fantastic place to be because number one, it gives me a little peace of mind um, cause I'm not sweating the bills and I'm not sweating the budget, but the biggest thing for me is all these connections that we make and we continue to make, um, it's, it's literally like a spider web. I mean, we're at the center of this thing with the, with the branches going out and then another branch and another branch and another branch. And, and I guess 
with the momentum that we've built and the momentum that we'll continue to have as this thing rolls through, um, I see this, you know, this rancher, rancher led health initiative, which is the beef initiative continuing to grow. I mean, it's, it's like wildfire right now and it's super exciting. I'm so excited to, to get away from the ranch, but of course I'm pretty nervous because I'm a one man band. Everything that happens here, I do for the most part. So trying to get everything set up for, you know, to get down and get to Kerrville is, is hectic, but on the same token, it's so exciting. And, and to just put, be able to shake up hands with all these guys that I've been working with, you know, for the past six or eight months, um, because that's really where it's at is, is all of those connections. Yeah. And that's, this is, you know, a lot of things we, we might think at the, the end of, you know, getting to where we are right now. I mean, we're not even preseason yet about the, the season we're going to have. That's going to be full of, you know, just a full on momentum. Like you said, it's a wildfire and it is something that, you know, we've done from, you know, the grass grassroots of, you know, just looking at what is grass fed. It's that simple. What is soil again? What is this? What is what is this thing that everybody's talking about? Well, we've got a gateway for it. We're going to help people out. We're going to give more than we receive. That's what we have to try to do. And that's what this year is going to be about. It's going to be about people giving back to the people that got us here, that got us here the right way, that we can have faith, that we can have some fun and love in, and that we can actually steward a new type of perception and mindset that anybody that wants to participate, it's there. It's there for the taking. We're giving it away for free right now. Let's let's do this together. Um, Jason, I know uh, you've probably Probably got more work to do today so um, <laughs> I do too but uh, you know we're, we're, we're in a 48 hour countdown to where you and I are going to be in Kerrville Texas about the same time so everybody Kerrville Texas April 23rd okay and it's a beef initiative conference the first annual it's at the Western Museum of Western Art look all this stuff up it means something it was intentionally done for you to be there if you can make it happen let's go ahead you know there's a there's a discount code for their uh, tickets right now it's slim slim so put that in get your tickets road trip whatever you got to do get to Kerrville Texas and uh, Jason thank you so much let's let everybody know uh, your URL for your your ranch website and then basically how they can find you any other way that you'd like right so we have a Rick Ranch's Facebook page and a Jason Rick Instagram and Jason Rick Facebook page uh, we have a Google business website um, for Rick Ranches. Um, and then, of course, we're on Twitter, Jason Rick, or it's Beef Bees Bitcoin. Um, you know, and it's an exciting thing is I got the first Bitcoin brand um, in the state of Colorado. So my Bitcoin brand is Box Bitcoin, the, only, the first one. And, of course, it raised have raised havoc with the brand board to get that um, approved, but we got it approved. Um, and so it, it's, I'm just so excited, Slim, and, and I'm just, I'm giddy with excitement. Number one, to get away from the ranch for a little while, and number two, to, uh, to be on such an amazing panel and also an amazing conference. It's just, it's super exciting to me. 
Well, man, I, I, I'm going full out all the way until next week, and then I'm not slowing down. So let's uh, let's push forward. Let's uh, plan and promise to meet each other in Kerrville, Texas. Safe travels, Jason. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation. So get ready. I'm going to I'm going to be pretty pressing pretty hard this weekend. <laughs> so here Great, we go. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're going to rock it. Yeah, we are. Let's go have some fun. For Thanks, sure. Jason. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much. This is uh, Texas Slim's Vision. This is the Beef Initiative channel, the new one on YouTube. Everybody, take care of yourself. Travel safe, because I know you're coming to Kerrville, Texas on April 23rd. Peace. Here at the Beef Initiative, we encourage all your ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC Cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth generational Texas rancher. He knows what he's doing.